In China, believers often face tough choices in living out their faith in Christ. VOM's brother Blake has talked with believers about some of the difficult decisions they're forced to make. There was a grandmother who had been taking her grandson to church with her, and the government told this family that the grandmother who was on kidney dialysis she would no longer be allowed to continue the dialysis treatments if she continued to bring her grandson to church. So what a choice. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we're in the studio today in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, with two guests. Uh, one is familiar to our longtime VOM Radio listeners. His name, for VOM Radio purposes, is Brother Joel. He is a longtime worker in China, and he helps VOM distribute Bibles all over that country. Our other guest is a first-time guest. Brother Blake is the Asia-Pacific Regional Director for VOM, so he oversees our projects in countries like Indonesia and Vietnam and China. And we're going to talk today about what God is doing in China, uh, as well as what the government in China is doing to try to stop God from what he's doing. So, Brother Joel and Brother Blake, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Yeah, thank you. Good thank to be you here. Thank you very much, Todd. Last March, Xi Jinping was granted additional time as the president of China. As, as I understand it, basically, he can be president as long as he wants. Why was that a big deal, or is that such a big deal for the church in China? Well, I think uh, it is a big deal, primarily because of some of the things that he has been doing since that time with new regulations on religion, and it has seen a real increase in persecution for the church in China, and I think it's directly from him from the top. So, yeah, I think it is a big deal. Is there a sense that that he personally doesn't like Christians, doesn't like the church, hates Christians? Is there a sense, like you say, it's coming from the top— is there a sense that he has some kind of personal vendetta against the church? I personally don't see that in his agenda. This is really significant because since the days of Mao, no leaders have been granted this kind of power, this kind of longevity. So this signals the fact that his agenda is going to be the agenda of China for a long time to come. Instead of being specifically anti-Christians and wanting to squash Christianity, it seems that his real agenda is to bring all religion in line with the Communist Party in agreement and not permit any foreign influences to use religion as a means of liberalizing and pulling the population away from the control of the CCP. On the day that she was granted this uh, longevity, uh, he made a speech. I'll just uh, kind of paraphrase. He said, everything we do from here on out is going to be for the purpose of strengthening the control and maintaining the control of the Chinese Communist Party over this nation. And in his mind and in the minds of communist officials, the church absolutely works against that goal. The, the church 
lessens the control of the party. Yeah, because the church will not and cannot acknowledge that there's a there's a higher power than Christ. I mean, right. the church is going to submit <laughs> to Christ first and foremost. Uh, I'll never forget. I, I think it was my first time in China. Uh, one of the one of the pastors that we interviewed explained, you know. As far as the Communist Party is concerned, they want you to believe that salvation comes from being a good communist. Uh, if you believe salvation comes from something else, that lessens their authority, that lessens their power. And so the church, obviously, as you say, the church says Christ is the most important thing. That's a threat. Yeah, absolutely. There were some new laws that went into effect earlier this year about church activity, religious expression, what what changed? What, what did those laws make different than how it was before? Well, instead of calling it a law, we call it a regulation. It's regulations from the Religious Affairs Bureau. To understand the change, uh, Todd, we need to understand what the situation of the Chinese church has been in the past. There are only, and we're spe- specifically talking about the Protestant church now. Mm-hmm. We won't address all the other uh, divisions. But in the Protestant church, there are only two types of churches in China. There's the three self-patriotic movement. Those churches are founded by and sponsored by the communist government. And then there is everybody else. Some people call used to call that the underground church. Uh, we The Chinese don't prefer that name. Some people called it the unregistered church. But if you call it unregistered church, that would um, indicate that there would be a registered church. And there's never been a registered church in China. And that's what I really would like for people to understand. There's never been a non-TSPM church registration in that nation. So all you have is this whole group of church. And the Chinese prefer to call it the family church, the Jiaoting Jiaohui the family church, because it began in people's living rooms. Every church that is not TSPM in China is illegal. They all know they're illegal. Every pastor that's not TSPM knows that he is only being granted week by week permission by the local police to even exist. And every church knows that they can be raided and shut down at any time. So actually the church has wanted a registration process to be in place. So when I first heard that the government had new regulations for religion, I thought, well, this could be a really good thing because this gives an avenue for the non-TSPM churches to register with the government and continue to exist in a legal framework. But when we received the regulations, we found that it was quite restrictive on religion in general. Basically, just the short version is the new regulations guarantees that the Religious Affairs Bureau will tightly govern every move that is made in every religious meeting place, including every Christian church that we would minister to. So now we're looking at the government saying, you will no longer be illegal. You will be legal when you register with us and give us total control of your religion. There's strings. There's strings attached. (laughs) What are some of those strings or, or what are some of those as you say, guidelines uh, that they have to follow? Well, weekly meetings, a lot of detail, detailed regulations of, of how to, and a lot of information, and control of the finances of the church. The government takes control of the finances. So there's a whole list. I won't get into the whole list, but there are many things that just make it unpalatable for the pastors to, to submit to that. Allowing uh, 
video cameras, surveillance cameras, to be installed in their meeting places is one of the is things. Is one of the regulations. Oh, yeah. wow. So they want to know who's coming and what's going on, and at any time we can see exactly what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Is the church doing anything differently, and and by I mean the family church, are they doing anything differently since these new regulations passed, or have they basically kept doing exactly what they're doing, just knowing there's more danger now, there's more risk? Well, every church that I know of immediately began to plan to dis, disband their churches and to divide the congregation into 30 or fewer people and meeting in homes, again, the way they did under Mao. And this is the important thing to understand. What we're facing in China today has not happened for 40 years. We're reverting back to the Cultural Revolution. The churches, many of them voluntarily just said, we know the government's going to shut us down. We're going to now just start meeting in small groups and homes again. Many pastors have gone into hiding because they know they're on the list to be the first to be arrested. I have videos of pastors who are being arrested. Some have been in prison. Churches have been closed. We're in the middle of, um, mostly this has happened in one province, Hunan province, but we're in the beginning stage now of the worst persecution that has happened in China since the days of the Cultural Revolution. We've truly never seen anything like this. What is going to happen is we're facing the closing of two-thirds of every Christian church in the nation. Seventy million people will not be permitted to legally worship. So the churches are planning to f- to sort of fill that void with house groups, small groups, cell groups? Yes. And, and they're actively planning for that. And many of them are actively doing it. They've already closed their churches. Many, many churches in China have been closed in the last three months, either voluntarily or by the government, forcibly by the government. Well, one of the things that, uh, I mean, we've also seen as a change, that, I mean, for for many years, the government from province to province depends on the province, right? right? So things could be better in one province than another. And the government might shut down a church in a province because when we say house church, a lot of these house churches actually for a time in some provinces were allowed to to have, you know, a building. And even put a cross on top of the building. And even put a cross on top of the building. would drive by and know that's a church. But in January, the Golden Lampstand Church in Shanxi province was actually dynamited. I mean, they the government blew that thing up, not just closed the doors and didn't let people use it. I mean, they completely obliterated the thing. In my opinion, that happened to send a message to the church. We are serious. We are going to implement this. We are going to totally close your churches. Now, if I, I might add, remember that the persecution that we've been experiencing for 40 years is we know we're illegal, we live under that burden, we get pressure, we get pre- This is not that. This is not like any persecution we've had in the past. This is a completely new day, a completely different kind of persecution. This is they show up, you sign the document, or you cl- you're closed. We're not even going to talk to you anymore after that. No discussions, no warnings. You're done. Closing of the church. That's what we're facing. And one by one, the churches are being closed. They do not exist any longer. The church is not being pressured. It no longer exists. One of the things that that I understand also over the last two, three years is 
the three-self church, what we used to call the registered church, is not immune to this pressure either. Are you seeing that as well, that even sometimes in three-self churches there is, hey, you can't do that, we're going to exercise our control here? Yeah, one of the things that's happening there is uh, they're requiring the three-self congregations to put up posters and things and have patriotic songs at the beginning of their worship services. So those are maybe more minor things, but a reminder, yeah, who's in control. So so picture for us as American Christians, if, if the federal government decreed that at the start of every church service, we want you to sing the national anthem and say the Pledge of Allegiance, not because you want to, because we're telling you to. Yeah, I think if we kind of picture that, it's like, whoa, that that would make all of us uh, pause as we think about government control. Is there still a lot of variety in how this is being enforced? I know one of my favorite sayings about China is whatever you've heard about China is true somewhere. Uh, it's a big country. There's a lot of differences in how things are enforced. But is this becoming more uniform across the entire country? Well, I think the thing, the way we can judge that is to listen to what Xi Jinping is actually saying. And on the approximately the day that these regulations went into effect, he made a speech. And he said, we're going to become a nation of rule of law. When we make a law, no one at a lower level than me is permitted to not obey the law. Every law is going to be 100% completely obeyed or there will be repercussions. Now, this is being said by a man who has, in the last few years, arrested approximately 60,000 Communist Party members and put them in a gulag of interrogation because of his corruption campaign. So he now, I believe, has convinced all the party bureaucrats at every level that when he speaks, they should listen. And so this is, has been promised to be a uniform law. Mm-hmm. I don't see any possibility that this is going to be enforced differently in different regions. It may take a little bit of time to roll that out everywhere because it's a big country. But yeah. I, I agree. I think he's definitely intending that there will be no longer selective enforcement of the of these it'll, laws. It'll have less to do with what your provincial or local authorities think of the church and more to do with, no, this is what the law says. you yes. got to live with it. Yeah, I think so. What is the relationship between the TSPM churches and the family churches? Is is there fellowship between them? Are there areas where they work together, or do they kind of keep out of each other's way? My experience has been, in the last 18 years, my experience has been there's very little cooperation. Because the TSPM, especially in the early days, was part of the persecution campaign against the house church. So the house church views the TSPM pastors as the persecutors in many cases. Now, in more recent days, that's that's uh, not universal. So there's been some more fellowship and some discussion, especially as the house church sees that some TSPM churches are trying to break out of the chains of the government and be a real church. So the house church wants to encourage them to do that. So there's more love and more fellowship in some instances than there ever was. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joel, a longtime partner of VOM in getting Bibles around in China, as well as Brother Blake. He is the Asia-Pacific Regional Director for the Voice of the Martyrs. 
Uh, you guys talk about the church going from large gatherings, uh, maybe in a commercial building, to house church, house groups, no more than 30 people. What immediately comes into my mind is we're going to need more leaders. How How is the church meeting that need uh, to raise up more leaders for all these now different smaller groups? Well, mostly they're trying to design and develop and accept from the West training programs that can be church-based where you can study in the homes and you don't have to have an actual seminary environment which is going to be attacked. Mm -hmm. So we have been planning for this. By direction of the Holy Spirit, this has been a strong emphasis for the last 10 years. So the Lord knew what we had to get ready for, and so there are a lot of trained house church leaders. And that's ongoing. I do want to add one aspect, though, and that is that the government knows this is happening, and so now they have began attacking these small groups of 30 or less. So that in every city in China, it's, developed, it's divided into different blocks, regions of living, and there are unofficial policemen or volunteer policemen who are the block policemen, and they're supposed to know what's happening in every room of every building under their control. Wow. And when they see 10 or 20 or 30 people going in, they alert the police, and the police soon find out it's a religious meeting. So the answer to the problem in China is not to break the church down into small groups of 30. They are going to be persecuted. We are actually, Todd, and this is the, the very troubling thing, we don't know what the answer is. We're facing the absolute closure of every church that ministers to two-thirds of the Christian population. And we have no good answer except now prayer. What is the spirit that you see in the Chinese church? I mean, I think if if the people in my church felt like the government is out to get us and they're going to make our lives miserable, there would be a sense of discouragement or, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Do you see that, or, or how? What's, what's the spirit in the churches now? I think that to a large degree, it's the same. I don't want to say that they are rising up beyond persecution and have glory and praise and joy in this. They're worried. They're very worried. Most of these Christians are younger people who never saw the persecution of the Cultural Revolution or the days of Mao. They're faced with a, a, a modern culture and cell phones and all these things, and suddenly they're faced with, with persecution that they have not been trained for. They've not been trained how to endure this persecution. The younger church has not. You know, you, you don't build a church in China by getting somebody saved and saying, oh, by the way, you might go to prison. You know, you want to just <laughs> raise them up in the Lord and encourage them. So um, I believe that um, there's a lot that VOM, there are many resources that VOM has available to help encourage and train the younger generation how to endure this persecution. They're willing, but they're worried, and they don't know how to respond in many cases to this. Are there some particular stories of persecution that have happened recently that have kind of captured your heart or captured your attention in China? One of the things, uh, Todd, in one case that stands out, the government has also, I mean, it, it's illegal to teach children religion, not just Christianity, but they're beginning to try to enforce that. And one of the cases, there was a grandmother who had been taking her grandson to church with her. And the government told this family 
that the grandmother who was on kidney dialysis, she would no longer be allowed to continue the dialysis treatments if she continued to bring her grandson to church. So what a choice. Wow. Uh, Like you said, Brother Joel, they're facing these choices every day. So the government comes into my church this Sunday and closes me down, hands me the document, you're done. What does the church do the next Sunday, the following week? What happens to all those people? They meet together in the small groups in the location that they have already been assigned. They know where they're going to be meeting. And if they have the courage, and in every church there are different levels of believers, different levels of maturity, if they have the courage, they will attend one of the small groups, and they'll continue that until the police shows up and closes the small group. says, you're not a church here anymore either. That's right, and they imprison the person or fine. There are big fines, um, uh, approximately three years' salary or four years' salary for a church leader for violating the law. So these are very high penalties that people pay. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Joel and Brother Blake about what God is doing in China, what the government is doing in opposition to what God is doing. As we finish up, gentlemen, we we always try to leave people with, how do we pray? Help us to pray knowledgeably and effectively for the church right now in China with these challenges. Todd, VOM has been on the front lines in every persecuted country for more than 45 years. I'm very pleased to have been given by God the opportunity to be a small part of this organization. I would like for the people to continue to pray for us that our passion that we've had for 45 years in every persecuted country, that our passion at VOM would not diminish in any way, that God would light a fire of passion inside of us and that we would seek the Lord, that we would know what can we do. There are no easy answers to these. We really need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so first I would like to ask the people to pray for us that the Holy Spirit would guide us, cause us to be fearless, cause us to be passionate, and tell us exactly why he has put us on the front line for such a time as this. Amen. Yeah, I would just say pray that they will have that boldness to stand strong, even though they're going to have to give up a lot. They're going to lose a lot. I would say pray for boldness for them, that they would have the, the, the strength, like their forefathers, to be willing to count it all as loss and stand bold and continue to proclaim the gospel. May I add also that the one hope that we have is there are some parts of the new regulation that are a little bit ambiguous. There is hope that the government could compromise, keep the regulation in effect so it doesn't look like they're violating the rule of law, but compromise on the implementation of every rule and make it easy, make it palatable for the pastors to register their church. We're not against registration. Right. We're not trying to just violate the rule of law or be against the government. Just we'll register. We'll tell you who we are. We'll tell you about our finances. We'll tell you about who our pastor and our leaders are. But we will not allow you to control our faith. 
if if the Holy Spirit would do a mighty work and cause that kind of compromise, this issue would be resolved. Pray for that. Brother Joel, Brother Blake, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your hearts for China and uh, for being with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Amen. Thank you very much. You can hear more stories from your brothers and sisters in China when you visit the archives of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Just visit vomradio.net. You can actually search for all of our episodes about the country of China. Again, that website is vomradio.net. Can you remember where you were when the September 11th attacks happened? Probably all of us say, yes, I remember that morning. Gary Witherall has a very vivid memory of that day. He and his wife Bonnie were serving the Lord in Lebanon, where they had many close Muslim friends. But 9-11 started to make their lives a lot more complicated. He'll talk about that next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.